You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Ferfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of sweaty balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. Hello. Hey, Holly. How are you? I always start. I always feel like, hello, welcome. No, no, it's it's great. I like it. You're you're the reporter. You're the anchor. You're the person that the radio DJ. You're yeah. You're, there we go. You're good at this. You can start whenever you want. I'll Please. jump right in. Please. Can you do. tell my husband that? Yeah, yeah, I will. How um, are you, Miss Busy, Busy, Busy? Um, well, hello, right back at you. Uh, it's yeah, yeah, it is. It's crazy. I'm not the one starting a whole new session of classes right before the holidays, like starting, you know, to get everybody. Well, yeah, it's true. Look, the Victoria Still Academy, if you are interested and you want to change your life, yes. if you want to become a dog trainer or you just want to learn more about dogs that would help your business, the Victoria Still Academy is the academy for you. We have new classes. Oh, when do they start? They start July in Atlanta. Oh, wow. Yes, and August in the United Kingdom. So, uh, you know, our course is a six month course. Yeah. And we have about a week of in person. So we have two, we call them intensives because they are intensive. I know, I've seen. Where it's in person, um, where all the students come for a week at the beginning and then a week in the middle. And then there is online as well. So we have webinars and we have cyber classes. Then uh, after these, well, the first intensive, people come to for about seven days then they go Mm -hmm. back and they work with a mentor that we find them in their area Mm -hmm. for 60 days and then they come back for seven days and then they go back for 90 days to work more with their mentor and cyber classes and webinars and stuff so it is it is intense but you are going to get everything you know that is going to provide you with an amazing foundation it's the real deal it is the real deal it is this but is the best course out there. This Sorry is, to say it is. Yeah, it no. It just is. But this is not like when you go, oh, let's look on Craigslist. Someone goes, I can train your animal. And, and you no. go, oh, this is great. And they have no experience except the fact that maybe they had, you know, Pookie when they were growing up. And Pookie was a pretty good listener. Right. And the the, the Victoria Still Academy is, you know, it's uh, something that we truly believe in, something that we've wanted to do for a long time. And it goes hand in hand with our amazing Victoria Stowell positively mm-hmm. dog trainers. Now the VSPDTs, they <clears throat> are, there are a number of them around the United States mm-hmm. and in the UK, we've got some in um, Greece and German, uh, sorry, Greece and Italy and uh, in other parts of the world. And these are people that are already established mm-hmm. trainers that are spreading the positively message and training in a humane way. And the VSPDTs really, I think is what all the VSA graduates aspire mm-hmm. to becoming VSPDTs. And so if you are looking for a trainer in your area, please go onto my <coughs> website, positively.com forward slash trainers, and you can find a VSPDT in your area. And where can they sign up for the classes? Well, if you want to become a trainer 
and um, then you will go to vsdogtrainingacademy.com. You can mm-hmm. find out all about it, and we hope to see you there. You're there. You go. Yes, absolutely. A lot of the teaching is with me. We mm-hmm. have the most incredible faculty. We have truly world-class faculty, and we we teach people not just to be highly skilled with dogs, with mm-hmm. handling dogs. A lot of it is practical as well as theory. Um, so you get hands-on work with dogs to improve your skills or to develop skills. But it's also, we talk a lot about the business end of the leash. And we also talk a lot about how to deal with humans. We have Paula <laughs> Bloom, who she's been on our podcasts sometimes. Mm-hmm. And she's absolutely wonderful. She's a psychologist. And she comes in and she she teaches our students and um, how it's to not deal just, with people. Yeah, it's not just about the dogs. I've absolutely learned that. Absolutely <laughs> not. I mean, in order to be a really good dog trainer, you've got to be really good with people too. So I, I love it. I'm excited. If you're interested, anybody listening is interested, please go to vsdogtrainingacademy.com to find out more. And I can say I've been there. I've, I've visited a couple of your um, classes and <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's work, but it's fun. It's almost like going to camp because I've watched these people. They bond like all the trainers and they stay friends because I've been to one where they came back together again and they all are like, oh, yeah, like talking. And I guess they keep in touch. And it's it's a really cool like it's it's a little society. It is. It's kind of what well, you know what? It's kind of like a family. It's one team yeah. because after that, you know, we have a VSA graduate Facebook page. Oh, cool. So that everybody keeps in touch on that Facebook page. And that means it's a supportive page. Yeah. It's like we have a VSPDT page as well. Everybody keeps in contact with each other. And it's a it's a supportive, safe place where people can ask questions and uh, where we we publish and we put all, out all the latest articles that are out there about mm-hmm. animal behavior and so uh, you know it's something that I that I dreamed of the other thing that you know that I dreamed of that I kind of achieved that dream was to find out if working dogs could be trained humanely because you know the working mm-hmm. dog world is a tough world yeah. right it is a tough tough world and you're going to be able to see more of the stuff that we filmed for Guardians of the Night on a new TV channel that oh, we are oh, creating yeah. it's, it's called Positively TV you'll be able to see it on your on your phone and on your iPad and on the TV as well um, but it's called Positively TV and it's the official channel for dogs. I love it. Everything you want to know about dogs, dog training, dog behavior, dog breeds, everything. Yeah. You're going to be able to find out on Positive TV. Positively TV, we, which we are launching early 2018. Very so exciting. part of that, you are going to see never before seen footage of Guardians of the Night. And for those of you who don't know Guardians of the Night is, I, for the last five years, were, were was filming with a canine unit, the Gwinnett County Sheriff's canine unit in Gwinnett County, Georgia, and then also with Lawrenceville Police Department and some other departments as well. Mm-hmm. And I kind of took myself and immersed myself in this journey of police dogs. Was it tough because, you know, you think of police dogs, you think of these mean, vicious, you know, oh, my God, and you're like, do 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 People think, you know, like, oh, good dog, positive. But, you know, we know that's not what positive training is, but was that sort of a challenge? And did you look at it like, oh, I yeah, it's, it's interesting because, uh, again, different countries train dogs in different ways. Like in mm-hmm. the UK, for example, you, you, using prong collars, it's illegal for, I mean, they, it's not, sorry, it's not illegal, but you aren't allowed to put that on your police dog. You're not allowed to use mm-hmm. a shock collar on your police dog at all. Hmm. So they train very humanely. Um, whereas in the United States, the United States, I have to say, mm. is a lot further behind the UK and other parts of Why Europe because they're 
still using e-collars and they're still using prongs and they're still using very harsh techniques to, to train dogs because it's the old boys club mm. because it's always been done that way. And it's because I think there's so much fear out there and there's so much fear of liability. Mm. And I think it's easy for us to say, oh, that's wrong and you shouldn't do that to your dog. And But when I... Uh, when you're actually there and you see the stress that these canine handlers are under, not just for the fact that they've got to keep themselves and their dogs alive, but also for the fact that, you know, just for liability's sake as well, the stress that they're under, it is really tough, really tough. And so I, I just, I'm not saying that that gives any kind of validation for training a police dog in a harsh way mm -hmm. because there is definite room for improvement. There has to be a way for these handlers to evolve. And that's why I'm excited about our next guest because our next guest is one of the guardians. I worked with him for a long time. His name is Officer Sean Humphreys mm -hmm. and he's with the Lawrenceville Police Department in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And he, you might have seen an episode, if you've seen Guardians of the Night, you can see it on my YouTube, but you'll be able to see more of it on Positively TV. And he had canine Ico, who was just mm. the most amazing police dog. He was that wonderful, it was like that perfect balance mm -hmm. of a badass, but also being a social dog, mm -hmm. which not a lot of police dogs are, they're mm -hmm. not that social with people. And... I know. But unfortunately, I've seen those dogs and they're like, don't get near it. And yeah, they're in the car and you're like, yeah. it's behind. You're going to hear it. You, you, you've got to be careful. Yeah. But um, unfortunately, canine Ico had cancer. He passed away very suddenly. It was absolutely devastating. But Sean now has canine Ali. And canine Ali has, has been trained in a, in a kinder way. Mm -hmm. Because Sean is one of those trainers that has been pretty harsh with his dogs because just following and doing mm -hmm. what he's trained to do. But it's now, it's changing. Mm. And Canine Alley is is much more, is being trained in a much more humane way. I'm not saying it's completely positive. I'm not saying that. And you know my definition of positive. We're not just giving cookies to dogs. <laughs> we do say no, you yes, know. Yes. We, do, we do create boundaries. Mm -hmm. It's just we don't train dogs through fit fear, pain, and intimidation. That's it. That's mm -hmm. the difference. Um, but there's that transition. And so I thought it would be really interesting not just to hear me say, yes, police dogs can be trained humanely and can be very effective without shocking them, without stringing them up, without helicoptering them, without hitting them, without, you know, they can mm -hmm. be. Um, but I think it's important. It's much more effective if it actually comes from an officer themselves. Right. So, that's why I'm very excited to have Sean Humphreys on the phone today. All right, let's get him on the phone. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Molly, here's your dinner. <coughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. 
The Positively Hotline is ringing. We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling in this week? He went after her like she's made out of ham. That is interesting. That's exciting. Um, is somebody going to answer that? Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. Answer the phone! Ladies and gentlemen, let's go! Ah, gosh. I mean, I tell you, I have learned so much from Officer Sean Humphreys. And I'm just, we're just going to call you Sean here, okay, Sean? Because, um, y- you know, you have taught me so much and just with the filming of Guardians, but also, you know, so many people, I mean, thousands and thousands of people have seen the story of you and Canine Ico and, um, and also thousands of people are now being introduced to Canine Ali. So welcome to our podcast, Sean. Nice to meet you, Sean. Thank you. Nice to meet you all. Thank you. So also what I forgot to mention is that, Sean, we have uh, a working dog component for our VSA Academy students. Oh, great. So Sean also comes to um, do a class as well where he oh, tells great. people about canine and he brings used to bring canine Ico, but now he brings canine Ali. And so our students can meet a police dog and can talk about, which is fantastic. So he educates them anyway. Hey, Sean, let me ask you a question. I know you, I'm very curious off the bat. When you meet these dogs, how do they pair you with the dog? How did you end up with canine Ico and then Ali? Well, I've known the kennels where we've gotten our dogs for many years. Um, I've known the guys up there for about 10 years now. And they know what I would be looking for. So they do a lot of the legwork as far as narrowing it down to a couple of dogs. And then I go up there and spend a week or so and just kind of run the dogs through some trials of my own and really see the temperament of the dog to see what's going to be most compatible with me. That's interesting. I, I was always wondered. So there might be great dogs, but they just may not click with you. It's kind of like humans, I guess, you know, who Absolutely. you choose to be friends with. Yeah, there's, there's no way to truly pick a dog um, by looking at a picture or anything like that. You've got you've to gotta be able to put your hands on the dog and, and see how he's going to act with you. And, heck, he might not like you. <laughs> True. Because <laughs> it is a team. And, you, you know, yeah. I mean, this is your partner. You're going to be working with this dog for hopefully a long time, for many, many years. So, I mean, you have to gel. And that, that's really important. So, okay, Sean, tell me a little bit about, because we have been talking about uh, kind of the, the, the differences in training for police dogs and working dogs in general, but police dogs focusing on them. And kind of you kind of run the gamut on this. You have trained in the more traditional way, but now you're changing. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, I mean, I started off doing the typical, I don't know how you would want to put it, dominant you know you have to be the dominant or the uh the alpha of the team whereas um you know through you and and uh everything that i've learned from you as far as the positive training you know i've learned a lot as far as being able to just teaching the dog how to want to do something for you versus forcing the dog to do it okay in a roundabout way you're forcing the dog to do it but you're doing it with a with a much lighter hand and you're doing it in a more positive way so the dog might not want to do it to begin with but through the correct type of training you're able to teach the dog that specific task that you want done in a positive way to where the dog becomes comfortable with it and then it turns into fun then the dog is happy to 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 please you because no matter what you are the alpha but it has to be a 
49-51 split, in my opinion. Yeah, so, and and I think, you know, again, it's interesting because you use that word alpha. Um, There is, I mean, when we talk about wolves, we talk about the alpha wolves, the alpha pair. And really, alpha does not mean a somebody who's violent or um, inconsistent. Or we when we talk about alpha, we don't really use that in the positive training world. But when we talk about alpha, we do talk about it, that that is somebody that, or a dog that is very confident and not violent um, and... And, and that's, that's, if we're going to use the word, that's how we use it. But, I mean, of course, it's been much, much misunderstood. How have you seen, um, because, of course, there's an argument out there that, oh, you know, if you've got these high drive dogs, you can't train them in a, in a more humane way. You can't use positive training. Positive training is only good for little dogs and dogs that don't have mega problems. Well, we know that's not the case, but how have you experienced that? What would you say to the naysayers out there that it's actually impossible to train a dog completely positively? I would I would put them in a category of possibly being closed-minded. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I would say that you have to dedicate your training to the positive type versus the alternative. And if you put forth the amount of effort that's necessary, and yeah, at times, of course, it's a lot of work, but the end result is going to be so much more satisfying. I know it has been for me. Um, it's just to make that dog want, I don't, I don't even want to say it, to make the dog, to get the dog to do something that you want him to do in a positive way and just the demeanor of the dog. You know, and Iko was phenomenal. I would never say anything negative about Iko. He was a, a beyond phenomenal dog. Um but I truly feel that I'm going to have a better finished product with with Ali um, or a better finished partner with Ali than I did even with Ico. What, what, when, in, in the training that you've noticed, what are some of the subtle differences that you notice that you say this is going to be a better partner with this different kind of training? The shying away. Mm. doesn't shy away. Um, if, I, if I do have to tell him fooey or no... <laughs> He doesn't kind of cower. Um, he doesn't mm. lay the ears back um, or kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, kind of kneels down, you know. Whereas I, or excuse me, with Ali, if I tell him fooey, he kind of looks at me like, all right, well, that's not what you want done. What do you want done? Oh, so it, interesting. It's not a cowering away from the command <coughs> or the, the, uh, the fooey. No fear. And it's what it's it's you know what Sean is saying because I mean I've seen this. It's not that the dog um, is not going to listen to you. I'm going to be like, oh, just because I'm cowering, I'm not going to listen. Because because I'm not cowering, I'm not going to I'm not listening to you. The dog does listen. It's just that it's exactly as Sean said, the dog's going, oh, all right, I didn't get that right. So what, yeah, what do you want me to do now? Right. And um, that's so much better for for teamwork. I mean, can you? Can you tell us a little bit about the pressure that canine handlers are under um, and why you think that a lot of canine handlers do fall back on more punitive training? Um, why do you think? I, I mean, I think we need to kind of wow. throw them a bone, as it were. Um, <laughs> I know it's hard. Uh, no, it's wow. quite a mega question. I know. Don't, try to answer it as best as you can. Okay. To answer that, you first have to start with, how difficult is a police officer's job? Yeah. 
Okay, so you then you take that and you add a, a dog, a partner to that equation. Mm. Okay, now now you've got this, you know, five, ten, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollar investment that the department's made. Okay, whatever the amount of money may be, this dog is supposed to be a robot, just like a police officer. Okay, we're we're robots; we don't have feelings. Mm. Uh, um, now this dog is gone through. You know, the dog and the handler they've gone through a course for. Four weeks, six weeks, whatever it may have been. And all right, now go out on the street, find bad guys and find dope. Well, it doesn't work that way. Mm. Okay, It doesn't. Um, you have to put in a full, I mean, Ali and I are still training. You know, Ali and I have been together for a year. Um, but there have been very few occasions where we've been able to run tracks. Okay, I don't know. I'd like to say that it's because of Ico doing such a phenomenal job of finding all the bad guys. Um, <laughs> but a lot of people don't run in our city anymore. Um, and a lot of the out-of-city calls have, have dropped as well. So the department, my department's great in the manner of they understand and they respect the time that it takes. I think that as an overall, though, I think departments expect as soon as that handler and that dog come back, they should be ready for the street. Well, the handler's course will not teach you how to work a dog on the street. They just don't. They teach you how to heal your dog and obedience and building clearing and do all the things to certify. But to work that dog on the street is completely different than training. So as far as the difficulty it's and the pressure, it, it's over the top. But that's where picking the right handler comes into play and that right handler being paired with the right people to train with to be able to put things into perspective for that handler on what is important what is not when to and when not to deploy and you know the legalities of everything because you have now got a use of force riding around in your vehicle with you all day every day mm. See, it's much more than people think it is. Right. And I think, you know, when I first started this, I was completely, I didn't know what I was talking about. And it's only because I've experienced it. And I've seen not only what these officers have to go through every day. And and uh, I've seen the relationship and they have with their dogs, the training they have with the dogs and the, the kind of the pressure that's on these officers to get it right. Um, and, you know, I have been on track. I mean, I remember we, I was actually filming a track where a guy had run and, um, Canine Ali was was tracking this guy, and he'd run through the woods. And uh, I mean, I thought oh, he's not going to get him. He's not. He's not. He's not. Because we were tracking for a while. Oh my God! Dog's head suddenly, suddenly there was a behavior change. Man, his nose went down, and he went right, and he found the guy hiding in a ditch wow. under a pile of leaves. We would have never known he was there had it not been for Canine Ali. I've seen it. I saw it. And that was 20, 30 minutes after we started. Yes, wow. it was. And that dog was still working and that dog did it. And that, I mean, I've seen I've seen other tracks, and um, but f to see it in broad daylight right there, happened right there in front of me, and for me to go, oh, I don't think the dog's going to find it because now it's 20 minutes and we haven't found the guy. He can and be anywhere. all of yeah. a sudden... He finds him because he's tracked him. He's got. He knows what he's doing. It's the dumb person here behind the camera that was filming this that was like that didn't trust him. Oh my gosh! It was the most incredible moment. The other incredible moment is during training is is always having that chance of being at the other end of the leash when the dog is doing tracking training. 
Um, of course, you know, I'm behind the camera. Anything is um, in real life. But when I'm help, when I'm doing training work, um, to, to, to be any kind of, I'm not saying Ali, but I'm saying any kind of uh, tracking dog is is a really, I'm telling you the experience of being behind and holding this leash as the dog is doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's so kind of, it kind of takes you back. It's earthy. It's, it's so natural and it, it's the most incredible feeling ever. Um, how... So what would you like to see? What kind of changes would you like to see in the canine industry? Yeah. I mean, I know that's a huge question, but with regards to training, what sort of changes would you like people to make? Well, um, I know. As, as, hard as, it, as hard as it is, you know, I was away for nine weeks because I completed my trainer's course while I was up getting Ali uh and going through my handler's course. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing train or handler's courses even becoming longer and a lot more actual patrol work being integrated into the training. Um, and, and I don't mean, you know, you have to make it like a three month course. Okay. I mean, make it, keep it the six weeks, and then let the guys, you know, the, the team go back to their department for a couple of months and then bring them back for an additional two weeks, something along those lines. And I know that's a lot for a department to do without their, their officer and their new dog. But the amount of experience that you can gain on the street, that's what you need. I think that I guess to answer that question would be to integrate a lot more real life scenarios in your handlers courses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also think maybe departments can kind of cut new handlers or even handlers that have new dogs a little bit of slack to know that, you know, we're not going to have a, a dog that's going to be completely green six weeks before or is now mm -hmm. going to be an effective police dog. It does take time and it does take dedication on the part of the handler. And so that, that those expectations, you don't have a robot at the other end of the leash. You have an animal. And you have um, you have a predator, an animal, an effective uh, predator, and an effective animal. But at the same time, you have this animal with cognitive abilities of a two-year-old child too. And, and Sean, I, I want to ask you because you know Ali is your partner, but does he go home with you? Is he live with you? I'm sitting in my driveway right now. <laughs> I love it. So I would imagine then this kind of training too, because he also then when he comes home and he's not on the clock, just like we need downtime, he needs downtime. He needs to be able to feel comfortable with you and, and to play and to sort of have a little bit of freedom. So I would imagine that sort of that positive reinforcement with him helps him in his other life, which is not at work, like all of us, right? Because can you imagine going to work every day and then coming home and having that same situation at home? Absolutely. Absolutely. When we walk in the house, he'll get to eat his dinner. And then he will, you know, we've got the dog door. He's got a big fenced-in backyard. I've got an eight-month-old uh, German Shepherd, uh, Zena. Oh. That, uh, and then I've got um, a little black lab mix dog. And they just go outside and they play for a while. And, you know, he'll come in here and he'll lay down on his brand-new big bed that, you know, was given <laughs> to him. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and lay down and relax. And he'll sleep there all night long, you know. And then in the morning... You know, it's, it's time to go to work again. But, uh, you know, he, he's I've been very blessed with the dogs that I have as far as how sociable they are. But 
I think I have a little bit to do with that. I mm-hmm. love my dogs being pet by people. Mm-hmm. I love portraying, you know, showing these people, showing your average everyday citizen. These dogs are not vicious. They're not ferocious. They are approachable. Please don't, but they are approachable. Right. They're not just gonna. They're not just there to to, to hurt you. They're no. actually working. But and it does seem like you know you have a better relationship. I would imagine having that positive training relationship with him, where he looks at you like a friend, not you know a boss all the Absolutely. time. Absolutely. He comes up, jumps up, puts his front legs up on top of me, lays his head on my chest, and falls asleep with his back legs on the floor. <laughs> He's a goofball. Kind of like uh, Victoria does. Yeah. I mean, it's really amazing. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly what I do. Um, hey, look, we just we just want to thank you um, again, and we'd love you to come back on future podcasts, please, because there's so many questions that uh, and so many things that I would like people to see. But the good thing is for you people who are listening to this podcast now is that you will be able, I have been doing more filming with Sean and with Ali, and you will be able to see some completely never before seen footage. And you will be able to see that on my new TV channel, Positively TV, that we will be launching in the beginning of 2018. And you will be able to to see some really cool stuff that K9 Ali and uh, Officer Sean Humphreys is doing. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Will you come back again? Absolutely, anytime. And thanks, Sean. You have probably one of the hardest jobs in the universe, so we appreciate what you do every day. Thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate y'all having me. Talk to you soon. Take care. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Begging to hear more of your favorite show? Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio and iTunes. Let's talk pets. Live and on demand only from Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hey, you got something on your mind? Are you a wizard, a genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process, they they physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what, what the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, you obviously don't know my dog. Just ask Victoria. This season of Ask Victoria is sponsored by Zooks. You know, an important part of dog training is feeling a connection with your favorite four-legged friend. And there's no better time than the holidays to take life a little slower together. My friends at Zooks are all about sharing outdoor adventures with your dog, but this time of year, we both want to remind you to slow down a little. Maybe take a shorter hike and a longer nap on the couch together. Zook's line of natural, trail-tested training dog treats are the perfect way to reward your dog as you're bonding. Check them out at zooks.com and follow at Zook's Pets on social. And let's go a bit slower, shall we? Okay, it's that time where we all get smarter because we're talking to you, Victoria. I see the camera here, but you're right there. So it's kind of weird that I kind of glance around. If I I look that way. That's right. It's me because I'm just waving madly. Okay, so let's start with our first question. And by the way, if you guys have questions um, and you want to send them in to have Victoria talk about them, these came in on podcasts at Positively.com. You can also go to the website Positively.com and find the podcast on there and send us an email through that. 
Um, so the first one is from David Hodgkiss from Leeds in West Yorkshire. I think, is that in the Lake Country? It's beautiful. Yeah, um, well, Leeds is a bit further down, is it? Um, mm-hmm. But the Lake District is a bit yeah, further up. Oh, okay, so Leeds gotcha. Is a little further down, but it's close to Dog it. training and geography. Yeah. Okay, so here's the question. Uh, we need help with our Labrador. She is great with our kids and our other dog, but does not go on with the other dogs. And hard. it's hard work to walk her on the lead if we have visitors. She gets in their face and her back goes up. We got her because my little boy has autism and he heard how good these dogs are, but we can't have walks or have friends around. Hope you can help. I think the punctuation got lost in that, so I apologize. So it's a lab, great with the kids, obviously good with the boy, little boy with autism, but not very good with other dogs. You know, it sounds a lot like my dog Barnsley, who's kind of become dog aggressive. He's not really people aggressive, but he's very wary. So I know that's a tough situation. Are you, is he saying that just, um, did you say these, this dog is not good with people or mm-hmm. it's just other dogs? No, it says, um, oh. it says, uh, it's hard to walk her on a lead. If we have visitors, she gets in their face and her back goes up. Okay. So she, she's not confident. So we can't have walks or have friends around. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how old this dog is and how long you've had it for. This is a problem. Thank goodness that she's okay with the kids. That's um, that's a plus. And, you know, there's lots of uh, dogs do such amazing things for anybody, really. But with kids with autism, in so many cases, dogs have improved their lives. And, uh, you know, you only have to look at the story of Xena, the mm. warrior puppy. I love that story. And, um, her lovely, I would say, kind of superhero Johnny, <laughs> who, I mean, they found each other. And it, it's just the the way that Xena has changed this boy's life is remarkable. But you have a problem, and the problem is this reactivity, overreactivity, this dog is not confident. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is that you need to, and I know there are Victoria Stowell positively dog trainers, VSPDTs, near the Leeds area, you need to find one and get them to come and help you because this is a serious issue. If your dog is unconfident <clears throat> around people and other dogs, you must tackle those separately. And you have to find out why, what happened in your dog's past maybe to make them unconfident. Or maybe it's nothing. Maybe just the dog was not well socialized. Where was the dog from? Was it from a breeder? Was it from a pet store? Did you get it from a rescue? You know, um, do you know what the history is? Have you had this dog since it was a puppy? Did anything traumatic happen to it? And uh, when you know the answers to those questions, you can give that trainer the f- dog's full history because that trainer will then begin to work on why. And when you have the why, then you can start training them. And it's kind of the how of training of how do you do it and what do you train as well. So I think the a lot of people, when they see dogs that are uncomfortable, unconfident, maybe aggressive, react, overreactive towards people or other dogs, it's most of the time because the dog doesn't have those social skills in order to cope with that dog's or that person's presence. 
and it's just become an effective way of handling them. So the fact that this dog might be getting into your guests' faces, the fact you can't have guests round anymore, or the fact that you um, can't walk your dog anymore, those, those things need to be tackled separately. So first of all, I would say, right now, before you get your trainer, is management time. And when you have guests around, your dog is put away. Whether that's behind a baby gate that the guests don't lean over and try and touch your dog or it's in another room of the house so that you know that the dog is not going to come in contact with the guests. It's better for your dog, it's safer for your guests and it's less pressure and stress for you. Okay, if you're worried about leaving your dog in a place, then um, for a while, give your dog a walk before your guests come so your dog is tired out. Then go give your dog a, something, a nice chew toy, uh, get a, um, a durable toy, stuff it with food, or, or give your dog a, a, a dog puzzle so that it can work it out. And then let your dog have alone time there because most important thing is that you keep people safe and especially if you've got kids and you've got other kids coming to the house that's of paramount importance right so that's tackling that now the separate thing a trainer will work with you on is how to tackle your dog outside how to tackle those issues outside it's all be about desensitizing your dog to the presence of other dogs that's called systematic desensitization you we counter condition your dog to, f to see dogs in a different light, to see dogs in a better light. And, um, but that takes time. And that's why I would say, you know, it's more than I can answer in two minutes, three minutes on a podcast. But I hope I've given you a few tips of just ways that you can go forward from here so that you can, um, help your dog become a little bit more comfortable around new people and around other dogs. Okay, so VSPDT, go to positively.com forward slash trainers and you'll find a VSPDT trainer in your area. And good luck. And I guess it's good to know too that, you know, he's not alone, that there is help out there, that it's not a lost cause, that, you know, yeah. there's people you can lean on who are trained through you that can help them. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, this is from Adele Davidson and she's from Grangemouth, Scotland. Okay. I almost said Grange Mouth, but I know better now Grange from hanging out with well you. Well done. Thank you. Well done. Uh, here's the question. Please, Victoria, I need your help. I have a two-year-old Rottweiler, and he's very lead reactive with other dogs and humans. He's been attacked while on a lead by three other dogs that were on leads at separate times. Now he's so bad at walking, he'll attack anybody walking towards me. I have to muzzle him at all times outside. I've tried a few different dog behaviorists, but nothing's helped. It's getting so bad. I'm scared in case he does get someone. I've had uh, in case, I'm scared if he gets somebody. I've had him neutered lately, but he's worse every time we're out on a walk. Please, can you help me? Thank you, Adele. What, what kind of dog? It's a two-year-old Rottweiler. Okay. Male? Is it a male dog? He's it, worse? Uh, yes, it yes. sounds like he, yes. Okay. All right. So the fact of having... The dog neutered. <clears throat> I wonder who gave you that advice because, yes, sometimes it can help reduce that kind of that that irritation, that frustration that the hormone testosterone can exacerbate. But sometimes as well, when you neuter a dog that's already showing aggressive response, 
it can actually make it worse because now you're removing testosterone and at least with a little bit of testosterone the dog was was having some confidence and now taking away that testosterone you maybe have taken away the the uh, the confidence uh, in your email it sounds like maybe things have got a little bit worse since your dog was neutered and uh, but don't worry because there are things you can do Again, this is something that is difficult to answer and to give you all of the great advice um, in a couple of minutes with a podcast. So I would absolutely <coughs> encourage you to find yourself a trainer, Victoria Still Positively Dog Trainer, in your area. We do have trainers in Scotland. So please contact them. Go to positively.com forward slash trainers to find the trainer in your area. I know you said you've seen some behaviorists, but I wonder what kind of work you've been doing with them or what kind of advice they've given. It sounds like your dog, only a very, very young dog, has had these traumas happen to it. And therefore, I feel like that the pressure needs to come off your dog completely. And this is where management comes in. And I can tell you how to manage this situation now. The management comes in where you now begin to really think about where you expose your dog and what you expose your dog to. So, for example, you walk your dog at times where you're really not going to encounter a lot of other dogs or a lot of other people so that your dog and you can enjoy a walk without that fear that you're going to meet somebody and your dog is going to react, okay? That's the management. That takes pressure off you. That takes pressure off your dog. That goes a long way to healing. Okay. The second thing is, is with your Victoria Store Positively Dog Trainer, they will, they will help you through and they will help you to become more, or to <coughs> teach your dog become, to become more confident around other dogs. And that begins just by very gradual exposure. Now, does your dog have any doggy friends at all? Because if they do, if there is a dog that they trust, walking them with the dog that they trust can really help. If your dog is a dog that is super reactive and you think is really unsafe, then I think it's time and um, if you haven't already done this to muzzle train your dog. Now, this is only for safety and muzzle training. I think every single dog should be trained how to wear a muzzle. You, if you just stuff a muzzle on a dog at the vet surgery or you stuff a muzzle on the dog if you're worried about what's going to happen to it, of course it's going to hate it around its mouth. It's going to be very stressful. But if you introduce this muzzle from an early age or if you adopt or have an older dog and you want to introduce the muzzle, there are ways you can do it. And what, first of all, how I train it is that I have a muzzle on the ground. I'll put peanut butter at the very end of the muzzle, inside and the end of the muzzle, and I'll just leave it there so the dog gets used to sticking its own nose into the muzzle to get the peanut butter at the end, okay? And then after a while, I'll hold the muzzle and put some peanut butter or a nice chicken treat or something at the end. And I only use basket muzzles, by the way, for this. And uh, the dog then begins to put its nose it, it, its own choice to put its nose in the muzzle and then after a while then I'll 
put the head strap over so the dog is wearing the muzzle for a bit. And then you can gradually extend the time that the dog is wearing a muzzle. But I feel like this is very important that you muzzle train your dog so that if you are out in public uh, while you are training or um, you can keep other people safe and other dogs safe. And then you need to work with a trainer on counter-conditioning <coughs> your dog, desensitizing your dog so that... Um, you know, you might be able to get to a point where your dog doesn't react to other dogs as they go past and might have one or two doggy friends, but it sounds like your dog might never be a social butterfly. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. There are some dogs that live very happily, not needing to be, uh, have a lot of social contact with other dogs. But you want to get to a point where you can walk your dog past them without your dog reacting. So you need to be able to set yourself various goals and that should be one of them. And um, I just say good luck to you. I think, gosh, Holly, I'm seeing so many dogs and hearing about so many dogs that have aggression issues that have uh, <clears throat> that are reactive on yeah. the leash, off the leash. I mean, it's it's devastating. It's like the number one thing that along with separation anxiety is is mm -hmm. a huge behavioral issue that many of these dogs have. Well, I, I'll tell you, though, you know, my dog had that. You know, you worked yes. with Barnsley. He's aggressive. Yes. He, you know, you know, we had him as a puppy and he became dog aggressive. I mean, it was years. He was fine. He was great. We'd go to the dog park and then slowly he started to turn. And um, now, you know, and, and he would chase a car and then he would chase a bicycle. And then now he just barks at anything. Right. So. Um, but you really helped me, and, and just to, to let both um, um, Adele and who was our first uh, David know that it, it worked for me. I was able to do it. Now I'm very good about keeping my dog away from other dogs. When we go for walks, I keep them separated. But I got to tell you, and you'd be very proud of this. Um, the last week or so that we've gone for walks, he'll see another dog coming. He kind of goes, and I'm like, nope, nope, nope. And we just kind of go up, and you know, I go way high up on a, you know, like on a lawn or into a cul-de-sac, and he's very, you know, he watches, he watches, his ears go forward, he but he's not barking and going nuts anymore. And then I praise him, and we go run down the street it, you know we don't always have success but I would say 75% now we do so you can it can work it can work so yeah. you got to stick with it and I you know I was at my wits end and I thought this is never going to get better but it did it got better and I think you know you you bring up a good point that's got kind of I call it the, the emergency u-turn yeah. or just the evasion <clears throat> evasive tactic technique it, it doesn't you know you don't have to have your dog go nose to nose with another dog it's fine as long as your dog is not lunging and barking and acting like Cujo at the other end of the leash and I teach dogs how to do that without other dogs being present so that when it gets to the point where they have an amazing emergency u-turn or uh, mm -hmm. an amazing recall or and, and that's really strong in a fun environment and then you can use it when you pass another dog and then the dog realizes oh actually this feels better than lunging and barking I actually feel better with not doing that and then begins to choose not to do that and instead now is looking at you or is um, you know going okay we see another dog now we've got to walk the other way that's that's mm -hmm. fine that's what I want to have uh, to, to give my dogs because you know a lot with these reactive dogs is that we've we're so nervous and yes. we take choice away from these dogs as well because they are they're just leashed to us as it were we're holding the leash it takes away their ability to act naturally so it puts more pressure on them makes them feel more insecure more unconfident so if you give them ways to cope and things to do 
in the presence of the things that they are uncomfortable with, that can go a long way into making them feel a lot better. Yeah, because they read us. I know Barnes always reads me. He kind of looks at me and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and now I'm like, oh, look, that was great. You know, we made it through. And also, too, it's like preventative. I can see and I can sense because he's got his nose to the ground and sniffing and I'm always watching to see what's mm-hmm. coming. And if I see something coming way down, he doesn't see it yet because maybe there's bushes in the way or something. I make sure, boom, we're he doesn't even see them. Let's just not even go there. Let's not even get that excited. Even when cars come by, though, I stop him. And by the end of the walk, he's like, ah, car. Yeah. Which is great, which is amazing to him. And you had mentioned that um, the two issues are aggression and separation anxiety. And I wanted to ask you this because one of my dear friends and one of my producers, Lafa, they have a one-year-old, um, she's a hound dog. So she's not a blue tick or a black and tan, but she's in that. And they, you know, they're training her how to do tracking and, you know, all that stuff. But she just started a new behavior. <clears throat> she says, we've always had some separation anxiety, but it seems to be more apparent now it's getting worse. When we leave, her tail immediately goes down and she shivers. So she said she's starting to see her shake a lot. She'll roll up in a ball or stay in one place with her head down. When we come back, whatever she's able to get her paws on will be shredded. Paper towels, headsets, the kids' stuff, you name it. To be fully transparent, we've not exercised her as much as we usually do, and her breed needs to be exercised often and for a good chunk of time. We know that. And the other thing is she said she also sees a different behavior, too, that when they took her to get her nails trimmed, she expressed her glands, and then she had to take her to the vet to have you know make sure everything's okay. And she's never done that before, and she starts to shiver again. She loves other dogs. But she's not letting people pet her. She's getting shy around people and will not let them get near her. She gets easily spooked by stuff, but she's great with other dogs. And they've got two boys who are great with her. I mean, they love her to pieces and she's they've had her since a tiny puppy. So they know no abuse, no, you know. So she's thinking, is that separation anxiety? What do you say? It sounds like it. Um, You know. So separation anxiety is really kind of a, a word that encompasses a couple of things. You can have dogs that just don't like being away from their owners and they might whine or they might bark a little bit, but then they'll take themselves off to sleep. So they might become anxious when they start to see a person do all their leaving triggers like picking up the coat or taking their keys and putting the keys in the bag and things like that and then going out the front door. And, and they can get anxious. And anxious anxiety is more of the perceived fear, right? Perceived as what could, what's going to happen. Now, if you come back to find that your things have been shredded or your, you know, your sofa has been chewed or there's been some kind of destruction, that will give you an indication that your dog is in distress. Distress is more the actual active behaviors that they do when they're separated right and you know why do they do this well dogs are social animals and at the end of the day it doesn't matter how one you know wonderful their sense of smell is it doesn't matter if they can leap over a six-foot fence and they can save the day and they can (laughs) sniff out cocaine and they can sniff out cancer and all of that they have the cognitive abilities comparable to a two-year-old child your dog is neotenized, which means that they are childlike, for the puppy-like for all their lives. They still retrain the traits of puppies by barking. They still retrain the traits of puppies because they like most dogs like playing. They're very puppy-like, even when they become adults. And so you have essentially got this toddler <laughs> that you're leaving alone. And when you think about it from that point of view, you're not going to leave your 
toddler alone, are you? Your kid alone? You know that they would get very anxious and separation. It's the same thing. I'm not saying don't leave your dog alone <laughs> because you can leave dogs by themselves. <clears throat> but it's just what your dog is experiencing. So we've got the anxiety, the shaking when the dog realizes and sees those triggers. And now we have the distress of things being shredded. And what I would like you to do I would like you to uh, have, I mean, thank goodness we have webcams now. Yeah. So we can check in on our <coughs> dogs me. when we're not there. Um, purchase a webcam because I want to, to you to see and then come back and, and give me an update so we can update everybody on this podcast. Um, I want you to tell me what you see. When does the behavior and the shredding happen does it happen within the first 30 <clears throat> minutes of you leaving and um if it does happen within the first 30 minutes of you leaving what happens after that does the dog continue to vocalize does it continue to pace can it not settle or after it's shredded can it then settle now the dog might be as some as in some cases i'm not saying it's like this in this case because you've got quite a significant sign that the dog is very anxious with the shaking when you leave but some dogs are like okay person's gone now i can have fun <laughs> and so for people who think oh my dogs have terrible separation anxiety and they're chewing everything actually when we filmed them we've seen that it's very very different it's not separation distress at all this is actually the dog going whoa she's away now i'm gonna have now i'm gonna chew everything that was my dog cashmere yeah you found that, that. Was cashmere so we have to find out whether it is true separation distress or whether it is just, oh, I'm just bored and I'm going to chew or no, I'm going to chew because there's nobody here to tell me not to. And then once we know the answer to that, then we can find out the treatment. But it does sound that your dog is having a few issues. And, you know, as a dog ages, they go through behavioral changes like kids do. We normally see a behavioral, aim, uh, behavioral change at around dogs, not children, but for dogs about six months when they reach sexual maturity. We see another behavioral change around a year to 18 months when they reach adulthood. We could see behavioral changes when dogs reach about three years old. When they reach around, they become senior dogs at about seven, eight. Then we see behavioral changes when a dog's experiencing cognitive decline when they are senior dogs. So like people... Dogs will show behavioral differences throughout their lives. And so for a dog that was fine as a puppy and social with everybody and not a problem, and as an adolescent, it wanted to say, hey, now it's an adult dog. Oh, my God. Now it's got anxieties. Now it's got noise phobia. Now it's, now it's not wanting to say hello to people. We're going to take a look at the separation anxiety. Take a look at why your dog doesn't feel or doesn't <laughs> like being touched. And then certainly get a trainer to work with you and hopefully nip it in the bud before it gets too much. Okay. I want to find out why. So, so I think this, this is my answer to you. And we will, I think I would love to come back to this, Holly, when I you get, um, and maybe there could be some footage that they could share yeah. with us of what the dog does do. Yeah. When they're not there. And we could put that maybe on Positively TV. Yeah, it's good because a lot of people might see that kind of behavior in their own dogs or see the beginnings of it. And she just happens to be a producer at CNN and her husband just happens to be a cameraman for the Weather Channel. So ah. I think they might be able to record it. They will. That's brilliant. That's great. They're going out of the country for a few weeks. But um, when they get back, we'll we'll get on that and see what happens. 
Good to know as always. Great answers. Um, and uh, always to know that there's hope that, you know, what's going on. Good podcast. I learned a lot. Wasn't that great? Really good. I love doing this so much, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I listen to a whole load of different podcasts myself. And, um, of course, I love ours for dogs because I think it's one of the best. But are there any I others? Just, I never listened no, to any no, others. There, there. See, well, there no, there we won't talk about others, but there are others. And uh, you know what? I just think finding out information is important. But I, yeah. we just we just we talk about interesting things, and we we I take think, left turns sometimes. Sometimes but we get great guests but too. Okay. Sean was amazing. I know, wasn't he? Gosh. Wasn't he? I mean, it just it's like the, look. We say that positively is the future of dog training, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there you go. There's the future of canine training, and it's very exciting it. because we're making a difference. We're making a difference in the companion dog world we're making a difference in the working dog world too so mm-hmm. it's just it's kind of a win-win situation and you know change is not meant to be easy right. it's not meant to be comfortable and so some people will embrace change others will not and that's fine we just have to ensure that the people that more people embrace it than don't and that we're always looking out for the welfare of our four-legged friends, and no matter dog, cat, you know, it's they're exactly. they're they're living, breathing beings. So exactly, and I just you know I love the fact that Zooks is also sponsoring this podcast because when we're talking about the welfare of dogs, mm-hmm. they are very very they they embrace that the welfare of dogs, especially through nutrition and stuff. And so I just again I just want to thank them for sponsoring the podcast, and um, we love Zooks, we really truly do, and we thank you so much for your support. And thanks, everybody, for listening. It's fun that we get to do this, and we appreciate it. And hopefully, um, we're all a team, all of us. Anybody listening, we're a team. We're doing this one dog at a time. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria Stilwell, or follow her on Twitter at Victoria S. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.